Hey y'all, this is Videotic. My name is Joe. And my name is Sean. And we are coming back at you after a little while, a little break from the from the mics here. Sorry about that. We kind of we had a big episode with our treasure Treasure Island stories, one that was a big one in the works. We we were working on that for a while. I will say we planned it for a long time. We had to make sure we saw the stuff to get refreshed on it. The ones uh, me and Sean hadn't seen, we had to watch them. And we exerted ourselves so much, wouldn't you know it, we took a nap and then we woke up just this morning to be like, oh, we missed a week. Yeah, <laughs> that's almost literally what happened. Most of that was on my end, but yeah. You, you guys have no idea how much work it is to watch movies. It is it is ridiculous. I know, you gotta down, like... You have to pull get, it up, you have to press the play button, so, I make mean, popcorn. You, know, you, you could get repetitive strain injury, right? You know, you can get some carpal tunnel in the wrist of yours, you gotta make sure you do everything right. Yeah. And if you don't get the popcorn right, you know, if you don't get the math right, there's a lot of brain power involved to get the right ratio. And then like every 20 and, minutes you have to adjust your sitting position. It's just, it's just a hassle. I know, man. You know, I had I had to take some uh, like medication to help me rest, man. I was just so, man. I was just I was so beat. Take what some sleeping pills. Maybe took a little too many. I don't know. But you know, while we were resting up, we we saw that uh some things had happened while we were gone, and it's a little something something here for some small talk. We got Disney, a big powerhouse. Pretty sure you've heard of them. If you haven't. I'm not sure where you're from or what happened. If you crawled out of your coma or under your rock, well, um, let me tell you about this uh, House of Mouse. But this House of Mouse has announced a bunch of things recently. They had, uh, at the time of recording this, we've looked online and been reading up on it. And, of course, we've seen a little before. But Disney's been having their D23 celebration. I believe this is something that happens every year. A lot of it is news to do with their entertainment facets, their uh, their parks worldwide, things like that, attractions, different lands coming to the parks and stuff. But the side that interests us here at this uh, videotic podcast on movies and TV is their movies and TV lineup. And can, they announced a pretty good amount. Can, can I just say real quick before we get on to that, you reminded me of something that kind of ticked me off for, for no good reason. <laughs> that Disney Plus has not uploaded House of Mouse to their uh, Disney Plus. And it really, I don't like it. Because that was the only Disney, like, Mickey Mouse show I really watched back in the day. And it's not there. And I was kind of angry a couple weeks ago when I couldn't find it because I couldn't watch my uh, cartoon made for 10-year-olds. That no, was no, just no, it. No, I just wanted see, to no, let y'all know. I mean, first of all, I agree that that, that, that is kind of a travesty. What they, there's there's a few things on there that I wish were on there and they're not, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm a bit peeved because to be fair, one or two of mine are more obscure, but I'm still like that's no excuse. You have it buried in your vault. I know you do. But the other side of that, man, no, no, it's not just ten year olds, man. Come on, it, it, it's for all ages. So don't you don't feel bad about this thing. It's well, I guess whatever I'll never you need know. to watch. I guess I'll never but, know because I can't watch it again. Yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe you can steal the memories from your ten year old self. You know, we can. A little brain tapping there. Take Go to stiff therapy. nonsense. Why be a sensible adult when I could watch House of Mouse? Exactly. Anyway, sorry. On to uh, on to D twenty three. Yes, we we had a good amount of announcements from them this year. I mean, from what I've seen about all the uh, hullabaloo, 
is that they really had like a, I'm trying to think what you'd call it, like conference in a way for it. it was just like movie after movie after show after show and just kind of really hammering it in on like in just a few days time. Granted, like this is Disney, so they've had a few Disney originals. They talked about Disney animated films in the lineup, in the works, a few teases of like upcoming ones from them and Pixar. And those are exciting as well. A little bit more so on our end is we were going to mention a few like movies that we saw, uh, like Star Wars and Marvel, because those are also coming in, coming in hot. And we got a good amount of those, too. I have watched only a couple of trailers right now. I know, Sean, you said you were watching a few earlier, right before we, we started. Yep. I think we're literally about to record, folks, and then Sean goes like, hold up, hold up, I gotta watch this. And then I'm about to do it again, he goes, oh, hold up, there's another thing, I gotta watch it. That's how important this is to us right here, you know? Yeah, the the big one I really wanted to watch was the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer. It's my favorite thing that Disney Plus has put out. Some of the other ones I was like, eh, but I really, really liked Mando. So, and season three looks pretty good. I'm excited for it. The same here. I haven't watched the peak for season three yet, but I know I will. Uh, I just know that I really enjoyed <laughs> Mandalorian as well. It's one of those like things that to me it was just cool to see a Star Wars show with like a, as much budget and pomp basically as a movie. But then I really got it like, and I thought it was going to be fun and enjoyable, but kind of just more so like, ah, well, it's something. But then Mandalorian hooked me like from the first few episodes and then I was I was hooked on it from season 1. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching all of it with my dad and he was the same thing as me. And he was just like that was actually really good and I'm like yeah, that was so much fun. And then well, it even gave us all the mixture of like here's your practical, here's your cool tech, here's your characters, here's your development and here's your cool fight scenes. Well, I'll tell you what I really liked about this trailer. Because it reminded me of something we've talked about in this podcast before. And as I was watching the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer, I really, really felt the fantasy elements of it. Like, I'm watching spaceships go through the sky, I'm seeing laser blasters go off, and it it feels like an epic fantasy, not sci-fi. And I really dug that. And that's that's what the other show felt like, too, you know? It's not about futuristic technology and how humans interact with it. It's about, you know, this father and son character fighting off dragons, you know, trying to get to the, trying to fulfill their destiny. And I love it. I'm here for it. It feels like a really, it feels like OG, maybe not OG, but it feels like true Star Wars when you boil it down to its roots. Done right. To me. Fair assessment, I'd say. Uh, it's definitely one thing that's like a lot of people would be like, well, I like it for the sci-fi and some more like I like it more for the fantasy elements blended in. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm there for both. But I kind of agree with you. I'm a little bit more on the fantastical side for that, just because it's kind of what what hooks me in, you know, what kind of draws me into it. And if it has more of that, then I'm definitely intrigued to see how you kind of play that off and how it goes. So mm-hmm. let's just say that that's chalked up in our books here, folks, from that the announcements of a season three coming in. I think they said 2023. So we'll definitely be waiting for that eagerly. I've got to get through some of my other Disney Plus shows I'm watching. I'm watching some of the Marvel ones. Getting, I got to go, and then I got to jump back into Star Wars to get caught up. We got a lot of shows coming. Uh, let's see, Star Wars related. I know that Andor series is uh, based on Cassian Andor, Diego Luna's character from Rogue One. 
has its trailers, I believe, and it's coming, I think, later this year. Let me double check. But that sounds interesting because I really liked his uh, character, and I think it's interesting to focus on some things before that movie because that was a movie I enjoyed. I won't say it's as big as a lot of people made it. Some people regard it, and they're saying that's like, oh, it's the best Star Wars movie, hands down. I'm like, I wouldn't say that, but it's a good one. I would say it's in the running for some of the best modern Star Wars movies, if, if not the best, in, in, in the modern era. It's, it's definitely a favorite of mine. Like, I really like it for what it was trying to do as, a, as a, one of the spinoff titles they announced before when they were like, we're going to have three different movies that are more spinoffs. Focusing mm. on like other characters and other aspects, and I'm like, it was, it came out swinging for a first one, and I'm like, this is actually an epic story to focus on, like this crew that's only mentioned briefly in Episode Four, and it's just like, oh, that's actually a really cool idea to focus the story because it's like a whole, we know what's going to happen, but I'm still intrigued to see how it plays out, like what goes to get to that spot, you know? Well, in terms of the uh, Andor show. I wasn't really that excited about it because like I liked Rogue One and I liked the Andor character. But, you know, it was just, you know, it's a TV show based off of a side character in a in a spin-off movie. I wasn't too hyped up about it just based on the concept alone. Uh, but from all accounts, from all the reactions we're getting from people, which, you know, those could change drastically by the time it comes out. But as of right now, all the reactions we're seeing are that it's going to be a pretty good show. Which it might have the, uh, I think it kind of has the same thing going for it that Rogue One had. Which was, it's not meant to be a main, you know, a main storyline Star Wars movie. And so it can kind of take its own path, I guess. In that, you know, you're dealing with side characters. And yeah, they all die at the end, spoiler alert. <laughs> because, you know, it can kind of be its own thing. I guess, you know, it doesn't have to set up a major trilogy. It's just its own thing. It can have its own little contained storyline, maybe have a slightly different tone. So I think it's got that going for it. Definitely. Should should be fun, though. I'm intrigued to see what they do with it. That's always been a thing for me, like where it might be based on a side character or other side stories in this universe. But I'm like, so far... The ones I've watched, I've not been disappointed. I may not have gone away from every single outing saying, oh, that was amazing. But I'm like, you know, there have been standouts. And then I, I still come away from watching it feeling like I didn't waste my time. I'm just like, well, that was enjoyable. And if you can get that from me, I still think you did your job. The, the thing you don't want for any entertainment outlet is to walk away being like, well, that was a waste of my time. Right. I will say I have had one or two of those with Disney Plus where I've just outright said, I need that time back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a but, of the bill. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, though. It's okay, Disney. Just repay us by putting up House of Mouse. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I will forgive it all. That's the real crime here. <laughs> I'm watching a new Marvel TV show, and I end up thinking, why don't they have House of Mouse up here? It's not a good... <laughs> it's uh, not it's a, a good... It's uh, a shame. Yeah. Uh, so, let's see. Star Wars-wise, I know we have a thing called Tales of the Jedi, which sounds interesting. I believe it's like an anthology of shorts in animation. The big thing for that that I just want to mention is that uh, Qui-Gon is going to be in there in at least an episode or something. And they got Liam Neeson back to voice him. So I think that's nice that's continuity fun. there. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I love Liam Neeson. Qui-Gon's my favorite Jedi. And there are a few more things I know. We're not going to cover everything here, folks. We're just kind of blazing through, but they got a lot of announcements. It's, uh, if you're curious, just Google it for yourself. If you say D23 announcements, Marvel, anything, there's a lot of news coverage for it. Uh, there's a few things coming up still in the future, but we've got like Indiana Jones 5, which sounds fun, but I guess we'll see how they do, because 4 was eh. Marvel's got a lot of shows and movies on the way. Some that we knew about, like Wakanda Forever, the sequel to the first Black Panther. I will say the big thing for me about that trailer that I remember getting excited about, and the, I think I was telling you about it, Sean, when it dropped, was I was like, mm-hmm. they finally announced Namor. Yep. And I'm like, this is actually pretty, this is really big for, for a, a Marvel property because he's he's one of the old ones as well. Like, he was, um, I have a lot of uh, older comics from the Fantastic Four. I actually have, like, this big compendium bought for me when I was a kid of, like, a bunch of older ones just all bound together, a bunch of issues. And it was actually, some of them included Namor, the Submariner. And I'm like, he's such an interesting character. And I think to see his MCU debut is going to be really fun. Yeah, which to me, I guess, I'm a bit less excited for the Namor character himself. Although, you know, he's great. Uh, But his connection to the Fantastic Four is really what makes me excited for him. But, uh, yeah. It looks like he's going to fit right in with the new Wakanda movie. And I will agree. Same here. To me, it gets me as much excited, if not more, for a... Fantastic Four movie, which I know is coming. They don't have any news. I believe they announced a director. Allegedly, They announced a director, but it's supposed to be coming. They don't have any casting or any other news. I know one thing that kind of disappointed me at first was that it was going to be uh, directed by John Watts, who people don't know. It's the man who directed Spider-Man for the MCU. He's the guy who got to do uh, Homecoming and Far From Home and No Way Home all the, like these uh, big ones and no way home was like the biggest one of the three for a while it was like the biggest movie of of like the year <laughs> and they were all fun and they were great and i think like when i saw that like, he was announced for it at first i was like oh man he could probably do really well with that have some fun with it and do something actually really worthwhile but then after those spider-man movies and the the big one of no way home he kind of felt burnt out and said i do not want to you know give anyone uh, something not worth their time and not worth the effort. Plus, I don't want to end up, you know, comatose. So I'm going to have to take a break. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, that's fair. Yeah, that was a bit of shame because I felt like, I don't know, the vibe, for lack of a better word, the vibe that he produced in the Spider-Man movies would have fit really well with the Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's what I was um, thinking, too, honestly, and that's why I was disappointed. But again, I'm like, that is fair. I still think the, someone should not tax themselves for, for a movie. As much as I love film and cinema, it ain't worth more than your mental health. Uh, we got a few other big things here, like Secret Invasion. We got Samuel L. Jackson back with Nick Fury. We got Daredevil solo show called Daredevil Born Again, bringing back Charlie Cox. From his Netflix outing, hey. bringing him officially into the MCU, and I'm like, okay, I'm for that. I loved the Netflix show, actually. That's one of the few Netflix Marvel ones that I like, mostly because Daredevil, out of the ones they chose, Daredevil was my favorite. The Daredevil Netflix show was awesome. That was really, really good. 
Yes. And I will argue... Oh, actually, I will say, to, to be fair, the other one I did like was the Punisher as well. The solo Punisher one. Those two were actually mm-hmm. really good. And I'm more of an action buff. And I think you know that from talking to me before, Sean, but it's like I love good, like, mature-rated action films sometimes just because it gets your blood pumping. You're just, like, sitting there cheering at the TV like, yeah! And you get something you can walk away going like, ah, that was fun. Mm-hmm. I don't condone any of the action taken, of course. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, that was totally justified to shatter his skull, fracture everything in his body <laughs> to crush the wind pipe, and crush him underneath a steamroller. But I'm going to sit there and laugh and cheer. But then mm-hmm. I can walk away going, yeah, of course I'm not going to condone that. I, I, I think they both benefited from having the Netflix put the mature rating on them, just to say. So I'm a little wondering what Disney might do. Because I know they, they've added parental control now, and they've even put the, the Netflix shows on their network. So I'm wondering if they're going to keep a lot of stuff here or not. But I guess it remains to be seen. I'm still excited. I think Charlie Cox did a great job uh, doing a version of the character, and I love Daredevil. Yeah, that's the thing I'm kind of interested about, slash worried about. Because of the Disney Plus shows that have kind of disappointed me, they were the ones that kind of leaned into being a bit more silly than I thought the show should have been. I'm looking at you, Hawkeye. I was... <laughs> but I'm not going to talk anymore about that. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of nervous about Daredevil because, yeah, if you've seen the Daredevil Netflix show, you're kind of warranted to be a bit nervous about how Disney's going to handle him. Especially if they're making the case that it is the same version, or at least a very similar version of Daredevil, you know, depending on what universe he technically comes from. But we'll see, you know. I love Charlie Cox in that role, and uh, yeah, I'm just waiting to see what happens. I'm not building up any excitement for it until I see some from it, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not going to say I'm extremely excited either. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, seeing how they go with the characters and everything and and going forward, how it's still going to add to the overall MCU as a whole. But I won't say, like, I'd agree with you. It's not too much excitement because I'm a little apprehensive about what they could do. But, you know, I'll stick with what they have done so far and I'll see, you know, just go forward from there. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll give it a year, see what we think again. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Probably we might even talk about it later as it comes out, you know, in the future, if we keep going. And, you know, um, before I forget, let's say that there are two properties, I think, that are interesting. I know one of them was the other one you really were interested in because you were like, oh, hold up, wait a minute. And one of the things Disney Plus is doing is uh, they're adapting the Percy Jackson novels mm-hmm. into, I believe it's a show. And they're trying to actually cover the whole five books of the core Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. And, of course, we'll see how that goes if they can actually do it. But from what I've heard, they've actually tried to adapt it more faithfully in some regards by, like, putting the characters more in the appropriate age brackets and things like that. And with casting and things. But I, I it remains to be seen. I just know that that was one of the things I was going to do. And then Sean here goes, oh, wait, there's a trailer for the Percy Jackson series. I'd like to see this, this teaser. Yeah, so I read all, uh, well, not all, because he's been putting more out. All of Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson books and, like, the, uh, about the Greek gods and the Roman gods, all the way up to the, I didn't read, I started reading the Cain Chronicles, 
and then I stopped and I didn't read much after that. And then he had another series where the Romans and the Greeks got together. I read most of those. But yeah, needless to say, everything before that, I, I loved those books. Um, I loved the lore behind them, you know, the mythology. Uh, the characters were pretty sweet. Um, and yeah, the, the adaptation that came out, at the time I didn't hate it, but I don't, it, it wasn't really, I hadn't read all the books at that point. And I didn't really even see a real strong connection between the books and the movie. I, I don't know if that's just because it was that different of an adaptation. But yeah, the first movie was okay, I thought. And then the movies that followed it, I think there was only one, maybe two, were not great. <laughs> and so they kind of stopped making those after that one. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the new one, cast... And I think if they're really trying to flesh out the storyline, it, it it's good as a TV show. Because you've got the cast, you know, depending how long they go, uh, you're going to be growing up with those kids. And if they really stick to the story, or at least adapt the story well, there's a lot there that they could flush out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for it. We'll, we'll see how they do with it. Yeah, I will say I never read past the Percy Jackson series, so like Percy Jackson and the Olympians. So mm-hmm. with the, the Greek gods, I only read those five, but I loved them. And the part of the reason I got into them more is because of watching the movie, because I think I remember I got invited by by you, I believe. And we went out to watch it when when it came out, like we were in um we were in high school, I believe, right? When it came out um, a couple of years ago now. And I remember we went to see it and I had never, I had never read the book yet. I think you had read the first book or some of it. Mm -hmm. And like you had said, it's true. (laughs) Like when I watched it, I really liked it. I was like, Oh, this is a fun movie. This is a cool concept. I think it's kind of cool. And then they made one, they made one other sequel, which was trying to base off the, the, I think it was sea of monsters. Right. That's as far as they got, because I think sea of monsters actually took elements from the third book and put it in there. And then a few things that were actually in the first book and crammed it in there as well that weren't like put in the first movie, which is really weird. So it was kind of like, huh. And you could kind of see the mismanagement, I believe, that was there. Yeah. And, and, and it kind of killed the momentum that was going. So it's like, oh, you kind of did too much now because they did something that wasn't even in the book. I think the ending wasn't even in the book. Like they didn't do that. They got pretty close, but they didn't. And it's just no, like, oh. it, Yeah, the ending was a lot different. <laughs> Uh, Kronos was what he was. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, well, and here's the thing. E- everyone needs to acknowledge, and most people do, that when you're adapting anything, whether it be a book or theater production, even a TV show, when you're adapting it from its original format to a movie, there are going to have to be changes. That's why it is called an adaptation. You know, and some of those changes are going to be taking plot points and storylines from different books or chapters and putting them in a slightly different order. Lord of the Rings has a ton of adaptations, but they are forgiven because they actually made the movie a good movie. But if you don't have a good movie behind it, those changes do stick out quite a bit. And it, yeah. A phrase, a, a phrase I'm fond of, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it's John Campia that said it. 
or maybe he was quoting someone else, but it's winning cures everything. And so Lord of the Rings, they changed a lot from the books, but the overall narrative was on point. The execution of the movie as a whole was on point, and so they're forgiven because it made a good movie. Percy Jackson, the first movie was okay, and then the follow-up was not okay. And so uh, it, mm-hmm. it just didn't work, sadly. Yeah, so I will say it's with, kind of like with Daredevil, with bated breath, I will watch and see how this one plays out, see if they stick to it more, see if they actually get to flesh out more of what the books was showing, because I, I agree. I think if it's a show, it definitely has more uh, potential to actually break down what I thought was a really good story. And uh, speaking of adaptations, another one that Disney covered recently, I don't know if they announced it at D23, I think it was actually before, but this was announced. They have the rights and are going to try to make a show off of the Aragon book series. Yes, I have heard those whispers as well. I've heard more than whispers, according to this, but yeah, I'm... You know, if I waited with bated breath for Percy Jackson and Daredevil, this one I'm going to sit on the sidelines and be sitting there kind of glaring at them if they don't get something right. Because this is one that's dear to me. It's one of my favorite book series I've ever read in my life. And when I actually got into it, we had an adaptation, an attempt at an adaptation before. I don't talk about the adaptation now that I've read the books. (laughs) <laughs> it was one of the ones I watched the movie first. I understand. I'm sorry to any fans out there, other people. I know that's not what you do, but I did. I didn't know. I never read it. And I was just like, I actually liked the movie when it came out. I was younger. I liked a lot of scenes and stuff, and I thought it was interesting. Then I read the book, and then I took it the movie, and I just like chucked it as hard as I could somewhere. And I was just like, fie on thee. You mm. have besmirched this. Because I realized what was changed and what was different. And then I'm like, oh my goodness. That is like, like you said, Sean, I know there's meant to be edits. There are things cut. There are things added. There are things changed to try to help with something. That movie probably could have benefited from a director's cut or something. I'm not saying it would have saved it, but I bet if there's like a, if there was a closer to a three hour cut of that film, it probably would have been a bit better. I don't even know. But I think, but I'm, I think I, well, at that point... I, I mean that minuscule. I mean like a bit better. Literally by the smallest bit you can muster. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, when I read the series, then I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is... um, Whew. But Disney is not the people I thought would tackle this. I'm not surprised, but I'm very skeptical until I see any kind of notice of anything uh they've already had said something about it being a show and not a movie series which i'm again i'm more for that like percy jackson because i'm like it deserves a show format to try to tell more of the story that is there and build up its world and characters Mm -hmm. but again i'm i'm gonna just i'm gonna be sitting there arms crossed staring at them and being like you better not muck this up well let let me tell you there, there is one, there's one thing and one thing only that gives me a little bit of hope. Well, two things, really. One, and this is the lesser of the two, it is Disney, and Disney has a very large bank account. So that's something. 
they're trying to prop up Disney Plus right now. So if they, not not a lot of hope, but <laughs> comes out of that. But there is some. It is Disney. They do have a big checkbook, so they're gonna throw something at this if they're gonna do it. Hopefully, the second thing that really gives me a little bit of hope is that I think part of the motivation for making this series right now is the success of properties like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Now, if you have read The the Inheritance Cycle, that's Aragon, you're well aware that this is a property that, if treated correctly, could definitely stand up to Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Emphasis on if treated correctly. The lore in it, the mechanics of the world, the immensity of the world, their magic system, all of it can go be placed on a shelf next to those other series in the medieval fantasy setting. And I think Disney kind of wants a piece of that pie right now. TV shows about dragons and swords and knights are pretty popular at the moment. And if Disney thinks that they can have their own slice of that pie, they might be prepared to take a bigger swing at it than normal. I'd agree. It's a correct assessment. And I can honestly see the the logic behind your saying. I'm still a bit sore, so I'm still going to... Oh, yeah, I'm, know, I'm, I'm, I'm very still, sore I'm, myself. I was like, was going to be sitting there kind of like, like, you better at least, like, if you're going to do it like you're doing with that, treat it, treat it well. You know, please. It deserves mm-hmm. it. It's a, it's a, I do love the series a lot. But, you know, that, that is sadly the way things go, usually with an adaptation in this uh, industry, right? You might have something like it, it deserves it. And you're like, this book series sold so much. Usually if you get the bestseller lists and everything or get notific, um, I was going to say notifications, <laughs> uh, you get noticed and things you get awards maybe for like literature and things like that. People are definitely going to be looking at those big stories. And of course, Hollywood comes a knocking and you know, that's, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about as our core idea today. We kind of ramble a little bit, but our main point we had for this episode was we wanted to talk a little bit about some adaptations, specifically adaptations of like, you know, maybe a TV show because it was a TV show and it gets its own little, spinning the limelight on the big screen or book series and stories like this who have gotten noticed gotten big gotten rave reviews and then hollywood comes a knocking like i said and decides to try to take this uh, written series and put it on in a film format more often than not unfortunately the truth is a lot of times adaptations suck it's usually because of what Sean mentioned before, when there has to be things done to edit down for format, to try to make it more accessible for the filmgoers to understand what's going on. So you change sometimes the dialogue, the writing, the something. All these things can be affected. And for the most part, they're usually not that good. But there are a few things that do shine through. Sean mentioned earlier that, like, I like that quote you had said, where winning changes everything, where it's like, you can forgive other movies that did well, like Lord of the Rings. That is a celebrated series of films, and and we're talking about the live-action Peter Jackson films here, because I know there was the animated ones in the 70s. 
like these live action ones are celebrated and lauded and praised and they are good but they're mm-hmm. definitely not uh comprehensive they don't cover everything in fact a lot of the difference i've heard them one of the main differences was time they make it look like it was a couple of weeks to a couple of months of traversal right to take the ring to mordor to end it and to end the grip of Sauron and free Middle-earth. They make it seem like this in the book. I believe it actually took years. And that's like, or the books, that was like a big, that was a big difference. I'm not saying that's the only one. I'm just saying that is a difference. There was a lot more length of time and they made it seem a bit shorter. But I'm like, it makes sense that it would, but it still lets you try to follow them on this step of the journey. Suffice to say, I only say that just to be like, part of the thing is here, like, you know, direct adaptation-wise, things you have to change, things you try to fix, try to make it seem different because of pacing and story and flow and everything else like that. Yeah. You you don't want a movie to take as long to watch as it does to read the book. (laughs) That's, That's a long movie. Especially anything by Tolkien. Oh my goodness, yeah. Let's just say the biggest edit they probably had to do was screenplay and script. Mm. Because Elrond would have spoken for seven hours. Yeah, for for those who haven't read any of Tolkien, he's very, very, very detailed in describing every scene, <laughs> the grass blowing, the tree bark. You know, there's a song every other page about <laughs> that the elves are singing. Yeah, he's a very he's a very in-depth writer. Very particular, very meticulous. <laughs> Nothing is left to the imagination, let's say that. Yeah. It's like you're one of the few people that, that truly um defines writing. But yeah, as I say, so to, to adapt something like that is of course changes have to be made. And sometimes if they're celebrated, you know, there's a few adaptations in Hollywood that have actually been well received. That's just one of them. But me and John kind of thought it over, and we're like, you know, let's talk about a few things that we think maybe deserve an adaptation. Plus, on the flip side, maybe one or two examples, if we can. Maybe ones that we don't think need to be touched by Hollywood's greasy, grimy fingers. We don't want them to besmirch the names any more than they have, or almost feel like you see the hands made of shadow reaching for this, and we're just sitting there bending them off, going, no, leave it alone. Leave it be. It is a pure, innocent soul. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I have one that uh, kind of falls into both categories where they've already made an adaptation of it. Some of it was good, and then some of it was bad, and then I also kind of want them to keep going with it. And that that's the Narnia series. Uh, they started off with Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I think universally... Does anyone not like that movie, the first one? And if, just to clarify, you're talking about the when when Disney covered it? Oh, yeah, that that's true. There is an older version, which that the, was fun. The BBC made, like, most of them, I believe. About, I think, five, maybe, something like that. Actually, I don't think I've seen all of them. I that's... have seen a majority of the old ones. I'm going to have to look those up. That's how that's how I watched them first. I watched Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe when I was a kid. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I wasn't. I, they came out before I was born, I believe. But I, I had watched those adaptations because, like, we rented them, and my parents showed them to me. And it was kind of funny because they were definitely like a little bit cheaper BBC productions with, you know, their like use of minimal makeup and sometimes a lot for different production things like that. But it's um, I remember them. 
But yeah, no, I agree with you. The Disney ones, they were going, and I was actually thinking they were going to adapt most of them. And I was excited because the first two were actually very well done. You know, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was actually well handled. I liked how they had a good mix of, like, the fantastical elements of it to actually giving us something worthwhile that we could watch and enjoy. And my main complaint, I don't know if you had the same one, but from reading the series when I was younger, and then reading The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and then the complete change they made to the plot and what they made the focus, what they made the antagonistic force of it, yeah. it did sap a lot from me, and I was very disappointed because I'm like, whoa, they completely changed this. The other two were at least like, these are more like almost direct. That's what's interesting. And then it's like, Voyage. Ooh, boy. Yeah, so Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was pretty good. Like I said, I don't think anyone really dislikes that movie. Uh, Prince Caspian, a few people kind of think that they adapted it too much. But all in all, I think people consider it a good movie. I like the movie for what it is. Um, It's pretty good. And then Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I don't know what happened. But it was just a complete flop you know in terms of uh making money but also in just terms of trying to tell a decent story and make a good movie i i don't know what happened but they just face planted with this movie and yeah like you were pointing out on top of being a bad movie they just completely changed the entire storyline from the original source material i've read all of the Chronicles of Narnia, and I, I don't know where they got that storyline. It's just they pulled it out of thin air. The only thing that's really the same about Voyage of the Dawn Treader from the movie to the book is the characters that are there for the most part, and they're on a boat. That's it. Nothing else is even remotely <laughs> close to um, what that movie was supposed the, to be. The ending was actually pretty close to the ending of the novel. What what was that? Remind me. Well, uh, that was uh, reaching the the border where they were trying to reach the border of the world, and over they met Aslan again. Remember, and they said, "Over this is my country, but you're not meant to oh, go yeah. yet, except for Reaper Chief." I'm like, that was actually pretty accurate because mm-hmm. they did reach the end of the world. <laughs> like legitimately, I remember that the whole, whole point was they did reach the end of the oceans, and then like because that was another line that I remember was where the water flows ever sweet, or something. And Reaper Chief like dives the water goes. The sweet, the water's sweet. Like we're we're near to Aslan's country, and then he, of course, is like the the allegory of a noble warrior passing on, is what it's right. meant to be. And he gets to do that. He's lived his life. He's been a warrior. He's fought for Aslan, and he dedicated his life in Aslan. You know, with a good speech, Liam Neeson. That's a good touch, I will say, as the voice of Aslan. Good, good choice. Oh, he yeah. says, "Like my country was made for hearts such as yours." Very nice. The ending was actually pretty accurate. Before, when they when they kind of come in, I didn't mind that when they like get sucked into the painting and all that, bobbing in the ocean, get picked up. Like, okay, that's fun. That's pretty much in the thing. I mean, being pulled into a painting was how they were done, but it's like the changing of the story to make this mist, the antagonistic force, and say, this is the big baddie of this. I'm like, whoa, okay, now you've gone too far, because that was, it's a <laughs> part in the book, but it was never the bad guy. In fact, yeah. it's a good part of the book because there's a lot of symbology for from stuff in there to life. Not just to a lot of people are going to understand 
how C.S. Lewis and Tolkien even were, were uh, of the Christian faith, right? And they try to do a lot of allegory and comparison and metaphor to elements of that. And I'm like, there's an allegory, and there's actually a couple in the mist section that were really good about trying to find the good in the bad, trying to point towards the truth in a, a, a web of lies. And it was all kind of mist, no pun intended, because of this mist and the change made. And it bothers me. Well, yeah, and l- like we said earlier, if you do a bunch of, if you change a bunch of stuff from the source material, but you still make a really good movie, then people are going to be okay with it. You know, maybe a couple people complain, but they'll say, yeah, I wish they put this in there, but they made a good movie. They didn't do that. I, d- I don't know why. And it was just such a harsh departure from the two movies they had done prior. Because they were both they were both decent movies on, on their own merit. Without any source material, without the IP, they were just decent movies. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. And then they had the, well, I was going to joke and be like the gall, but I guess in a way they had the gall to tease for a next one. Yeah. Because <laughs> the end of the movie, right? Like anyone who knows, it was the next story after that. I, I think, let me see, with the fourth one was the, uh, the fourth one was technically, I think the, wasn't the fourth one like the horse and his boy, but that was technically a prequel. And then it, after that, it was the silver chair. Well, I don't, I don't know if there were any other stories that involved that cast, like. Well, uh, Eustace, that's what they were teasing. At the yeah, very end of the film, you can hear his mother go like, Eustace, your friend Jill is here. Eustace and Jill Pohl are the two that go into the silver chair. Right, exactly. I think and then, that's the and then they're they even the happen. ones that are followed in the last battle. It, it also involves so, like, they were Prince teasing, Caspian. They were teasing Prince, uh, the silver chair, I believe. Yeah. Which would have been the next one. And I'm like, oh, we're actually going to get an adaptation. I was like, man, if they actually get to the silver chair, I think that's the last one that even the BBC productions got to. They didn't even get past that. Yeah. Sad. I mean, that kind of brings me around to my original point. They made some, they made a good adaptation, they made a bad adaptation, and then you kind of, after getting done with the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, you kind of think, do you want them to go on? But being a few years removed from it, I kind of do. Because I think those stories, even if you didn't do the Silver Chair, um, which I think you, they still could do, with the, because that actor, Will Poulter, I think his name is. I mean, he's been, his uh, reputation has been going up lately. And I think he's still of the age where they could reasonably say he could do that Silver Chair storyline, but who knows. But even if you don't go with that character, there's other stories in the Narnia Chronicles, like The Magician's Nephew, uh, you've got The Last Battle, The Horse and His Boy. All of those can still be made and be reasonably disconnected from the, I guess you call it, main storyline of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and those characters. And I think you could still do a really good job with it. You know, they made two good adaptations, so the probability is they can make another, and I'd like to see... Those are good stories. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's like, in a way, you initially want to think, do I want to see more? Then you're kind of like, well, I kind of do, actually. And I'd agree with that. That's a good choice. I wasn't actually expecting that, so thank you for helping me remember that. I'm full of good choices. O- mm-hmm. o- only because I never use them. 
Yeah, yeah, I just stockpile good choices and I keep them inside. I never let them get out. <laughs> I cash in a few every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> when the need arises. That's a that's a good one to start off with. I I couldn't really think of too many specific instances of things that I would really want. To be fair, one or two that I that I have really wanted, I've gotten. Like recently, I'm a huge fan of the Dune saga. And right. the uh, and it's I love the novel. I've never really read too far into the sequels because they they got progressively weirder and like to the point of like not too much sense in all honesty, <laughs> and a little more nonsensical. But I'm like the first one and Children of Dune is like really intriguing and and it's such a good story. It really is, and it has a lot of elements in there that are just you know kind of hodgepodge but like when you kind of look into you're like man this is an interesting uh story it's a messianic prophecy mixed in with uh you know a reversal of tropes and a a reversal of what you would expect expectations are totally thrown out the window for like what you would think it's actually a mockery of this it's actually you know pointing out issues and things like that all these things are thrown in there and it's like it was a very popular series in fact so many people you know think what's really funny with like doing they go, oh, well, uh, this was a saga, you know, this must have been written, like, you know, after, you know, Star Wars and something. It's like, no, George Lucas read Dune. He took elements for Star Wars. You know, a lot of sci-fi things, they they read Dune. Mm-hmm. So this is an older story, more than you would think. And we had a few adaptations. There's the one prominent David Lynch film in the 80s. I've seen that. There is a lot edited out of that one because it's a one film. And the book is definitely big enough to, to try to make one movie. I'm definitely like, wow, you have a lot that's not there because to try to condense this story into one thing is not going to work. And then there was a sci- the Sci-Fi Channel actually made an adaptation uh, in like the year 2000, I believe, or 1999, something like that. And it was actually a pretty good one. Lower budget, you know, mid-tier 90s budget for the thing. But it was actually a fairly decent one. And there's like the, the full, it's a miniseries. It's about three hours long. And that's like, pretty pretty detailed for the book but i'd always wanted a good quality adaptation of the story and we we got one in 2021 and he gave us a really good one for a part one and i'm really glad he's getting to make a part two because it definitely deserves to be told in multiple parts and not just one film and i think the i just watched it again recently and i'm like you know something like that i really wanted so I didn't mean to talk on it a little as long as I did, but I just I do love it so much. So to get that, I was really happy. No, I mean you're you're it's... definitely the uh, the Dune expert here, and which makes me happy to know that you like it as well because I don't have any background knowledge of it. I've just heard of it um, peripherally uh, that I knew it was a big sci-fi grand adventure of sorts, and so I was you know one of the worries you have about franchises like that is that you're going to go into the movie and sort of miss out on stuff where, you know, because sometimes movies like that do focus too much on servicing the fans that are already in the know about the universe. But I went in there and having no prior knowledge, it was just a really good movie. You've got a lot of family dynamics going on. You've got uh, this kid wrestling with new abilities, prophecies, you have the chosen one aspect of it, you have politics going on. And yeah, it was just a really good story, 
not even having any prior knowledge of the universe. That's that's all you can ask for. That's exactly what we've been saying this whole time. They made a good they made a good movie for people who didn't know anything about it. And also the people that did love that universe already were happy with it. So and that that's a really tough thing to do, I think. Especially like we just said for an adaptation, you really you, exactly. you, you, you bite your nails watching like, oh, they're going to do this, how they're going to do this. But everything I had heard about it before was like leading up to this is going to be a good one. Then I saw the trailers and I was like, this looks promising. And then me and I told you, me and my sister are big fans of it. She's the one who actually read it first, like for me and then like shared it with me. And then I watched like the miniseries and stuff and got into this story and everything and was reading it. And I was like, oh, man, this is I like this a lot. And then, yeah, we went to, uh, we drove out like over an hour to the IMAX theater to see it because we're like, we're going to do this right <laughs> if we do this. Mm. It's been the only film I've ever driven out and like gone out of my way to see on an IMAX screen and it was worth it. And I'm going to do that for part two again, definitely going to do that. So, but uh, to get back on adaptations, I guess that we kind of want, I have more of a vague one, if that's okay, if you don't mind out there listeners and if you don't mind, Sean. We'll find out. What is it? We'll see. So for a while, Hollywood was doing something that I really actually was behind. They were kind of on a kick with this uh, Greek mythology fest. And I don't know if you remember, but around the same like couple of years, they made like a remake of Clash of the Titans mm-hmm. with Sam Worthington, Liam Neeson again. Funny we mentioned him as another thing for God. What do you know as Zeus? Right. <laughs> he gets around, doesn't he? He does. He's an anagram for God and the Abrahamic faith and God and Zeus. <laughs> uh, play, uh, playing that opposed to uh, Ralph Fiennes, um, who is always playing the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. But, you know, and I know that's – it was kind of more of – it was more of a remake of the the version in the 80s, which I will say is a guilty pleasure of mine because Ray Harryhausen as an animator. Love stop motion films. I love that one. And it's like, you know, but it was fun. It definitely changed a bit because in the old one, one thing I just want to point out in that adaptation is like the old one had Percy be like, okay, I'll do these quests you ask of me. In the new one, they had this whole subplot of Percy like, I defy the gods. I hate the fact that I, I hate the gods. I hate the fact that he's my father. I, de- I defy them at every turn. I'm like, where did this come from? Hmm. This is not at all the thing. So that's just a side plot. But then like around that time, they also did uh, The Immortals which I don't know if you saw that one as Henry Cavill as Theseus. And it was just the tale of Theseus. It was just an adaptation of this thing. I think it was kind of based on in the style of like 300, which years before we had gotten 300, you know, stuff like that, just this Greek fest. And I was like, this is fun. And then sometime, I think we also got like uh, years before that, I think they were doing Troy, which I remember louding as one of my favorite films of all time. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, the adaptation of the, classic hero of uh, Achilles. But there's a few things that we never got, and I wish we did. Hollywood was on this kick for a while, and then it kind of just stopped. Like, they they already moved on to the next thing, and I was, like, sitting there waiting, because I was actually eager. First of all, one thing I really wanted following Troy, I wanted an adaptation of The Odyssey with uh. Sean Bean reprising his character of Odysseus. Mm-hmm. on his way back to Ithaca, because that's what it was. Like, the Odyssey was more or less a sequel, in a way, in essence, to uh, the Iliad, right? And the and the Aeneid, which were accounts of the Trojan Wars. And that's where you talk about Achilles, that's where you talk about the the wars, and of course the, the Trojan horse, ending the battle, things like that. 
And it's like Troy did a great job of like just capturing this epic in the style of like old movie epics. And it was fun. And I was like, I really would have loved to see a version of like the Odyssey with this or something. That would have been fun to me. That, that and does we never seem like got a really, that. It seems like a really natural move. I'm wondering why they didn't do that. I'm not sure, honestly. It, it might just be because they were just <clears throat> trying to adapt like elements of the Iliad and such, and, and that was it. You know, That might have been like they were good with it. Maybe he tried to in Hollywood and the studios were just like, no, no, we're not going to do that, you know? Do you know, I wasn't really aware of it at the time it came out, but do you know how well Troy did at the box office? I, I, I do not, honestly. I've never actually seen, like, really researched if it, if it, like, actually did insanely well or not or if it, like, made any money back, like, enough to register for that, you know? Because, I mean, that could have been the main factor. Maybe it didn't make quite enough yeah. back to be considered a huge success and viable, fiscally viable for a sequel or a yeah, follow-up. I never hear anybody say anything bad about it, but I'm wondering if it's one of those movies that didn't blow up at the box office. Maybe it was competing with a bigger movie, or maybe it just didn't hit at the right time. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. But yeah, it, it seems like a really natural move that they just didn't make. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's more so on the personal side. I just would have loved to see a follow-up in a way in the same style of that film as like with Odysseus and Sean Bean reprising his role as Odysseus. Because I'm mm -hmm. like, Sean Bean, love Sean Bean. It's one of the few movie roles where he didn't die in as, as Odysseus. <laughs> well, of <laughs> course they had to make a sequel. Sean Bean isn't dead yet, so you know. have to make well, another movie. Well, I mean, maybe that's why Sean Bean couldn't. Because his character, technically Odysseus, didn't die for years. So, you know, they would have... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they were like, no, we can't, Sean. We kept him alive for this movie. We cannot tempt the gods any further. Mm -hmm. We cannot try their hand. But I, I'm saying that's a personal thing. I just would have loved to see that. Another one is one of my favorite tales in Greek myths that we never got. Was a, another full, like, big adaptation of Jason and the Argonauts. That's just a personal favorite of mine. And Hollywood was on a kick for a while of like Clash of the Titans with Perseus, uh, Theseus, and the Immortals. We had all these other things going on. I was like, oh man, they, they, it's just got to be around the corner. We might get a Jason the Argonauts adaptation next. I love that story. And then nothing. And I was so bummed. And I, I'll, I'll still take one. That's part of my talk and bringing this in. I'm just like, hey, um, if you guys, if anyone's interested in like getting a good cast and decent budget, I'd love to see a movie with just a movie adaptation of Jason. The last movie I saw was like on the Hallmark channel. They actually did a, and believe it or not, yes, I think it was Hallmark, because Hallmark does a few other, like, not just rom-coms and, and things like that. They have a movie version of Hercules they did. They have one on uh, Jason. And I've seen most of that one. We have it on VHS, actually. So that's how many years ago it aired. It's definitely a TV movie, but it's not bad, per se. Like, it's not amazing, but it's not that bad. It's very solid. And then the one before that, that was the big movie version was also Ray Harryhausen making the animation for it. It would, but it was released in 1963. So yeah, come on Hollywood. I'd like to see another adaptation. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Well, I've got one that I think you probably have more knowledge about. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Was that just based on Fantasia? Do you remember that movie? Nicholas Cage? Yeah, I do. I know there was the scene in there that was directly taken from it. 
because of course the namesake but i'm not sure if it was actually based on an idea or another story beforehand i like the idea behind it and i think it could deserve like a sequel at least in the universe of it like not necessarily following the same characters but if we like just Mm kind of had the same like i said the same universe it established or something with some decent writing and that'd be my main complaint, <laughs> decent writing, because I about lost it in the beginning when it's like, find the prime Merlinian, and I just started laughing, and I went, they are not serious. Yeah, so th- let, let me preface this. This movie was pretty, is pretty solidly planted in the guilty pleasure category for me. That being said, I do always get a kick out of watching it. I mean, like, because you've got Nick Cage as an older, like, gruff wizard figure. Mm. You got, uh, I kind of like him, Jay Baruchel, for his, like, comedic, of course, his voice to some is very annoying, but to others, like, he's he's got a good timing to him, and I think he was kind of funny in this mm. role. You've got a personal perennial favorite of mine, and Alfred Molina. Yep. As the, oh, what was his name again, like, Balthazar or something like that? Something like that, uh, right? Nicholas Cage was Balthazar. Oh, Alfred okay, Molina bad. was Horvath. Horvath. And Jay was Dave. Dave. <laughs> Balthazar, Horvath, and Dave. Yeah, but I, I do love those those actors right there. Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of a guilty pleasure because I can watch it. I'll still laugh. I, I will be honest. I still laugh at the whole term, the prime Merlinian. Mm-hmm. I just, it cracks me up and I'm like, wow. I was like, I wonder who got paid and how much they got paid to write this movie. And that's what they came up with. Just, you know, <laughs> they're just struggling to think of something. They look at a map of the world and it's just prime meridian, the line that they study, and be like, I've got it. <laughs> I've got an idea. Burst through the de- door like, i got it. I'd like to see the, like I said, I think that could have been even adapted for like a show or a miniseries even. Like if it was like a four or five or even like a six episode run of just in the world of this with like other apprentices, other sorceries studied or something, it would have been an idea. Maybe they'll capitalize on it later, but yeah, as it stands, it's like more in that universe would be fun, but I definitely would be like, I don't want the same writer, please. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a bit skeptical about this IP ever getting any sort of sequel or remake just because it was one of those movies that nobody asked for. And then when we got it, not a lot of people, took to it like I did for good reasons. But uh yeah. Unfortunate but understandable. Yeah. I mean to be fair, one of the positives of that film is it also instilled a love for that song Secrets by One Republic. I don't even remember it. Well I'd sing it but I don't want to get copyright struck, so look it up in your time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's played a lot in the film. It oh. was used as like the love element between him and his crush and stuff like that. So Oh that's right. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, that's a that's a fun choice. I've I've got uh one more at least, if you didn't have any. I'm assembling a list as we go, so because I mean this is something I think we can visit in the future as well. Like as we think of more, I think about ones we meant to mention. So well, th- that, this... that's just one. That was the main one I wanted to get off my chest was the was the uh, Greek mm-hmm. mythologies because I just wanted those two in particular. The Odyssey, not so much, but it would have been fun. But I really was pining, and I still am for a good jason the argonauts story well i think this one will make a good uh capstone because it's one that we could and i think we probably will hit on in a later episode it would be a good candidate for the uh what's the thing html 
yeah. heroes, tales, myths, and legends. The Adventures of Robin Hood. And the Robin Hood character has been redone over and over and over again. It has books, it has TV shows, it has movies. And my personal favorite, it's not going to be objectively the best one, but it is my personal favorite, was made in the 1950s. Started in 1955 and then went five years until 1960. And it stars Richard Green, if anyone knows him. Again, I'm, I'm bringing up the uh, old stuff. <laughs> so it's in black and white for most of it. I believe it did go into color for a split second. But most of the series is in black and white. And yeah, it just stars Richard Green as Robin Hood. And it's a TV show. I think it had 144 episodes in it total. And I just love it. It's got that classic 1950s feel. <laughs> and uh, so if you're not too, uh, what would you call it? If you go back and watch old movies and you don't like them because the acting's weird and the screenplay's weird, you're not going to like this show. Because um, it it is very much set in that vein of filmmaking. I do, and so I happen to like it a lot. It's the kind of movies I grew up on. Uh, so yeah. Have have you ever watched any of those episodes? I can't say I've I've seen or heard of that one. When you said Adventures of Robin Hood, I actually thought of the Errol Flynn movie. Right. Which exactly. is also old, but that's like the cuz that was called The Adventures of Robin Hood and His Merry Men, I believe. Yeah. And that's like one of the iconic films of the time was a it was a pretty big one actually at the time. But yeah, there's been a lot of adaptations of Robin Hood. And I would say as a Robin Hood fan as well, just the idea of the character and the stories, it's it's really fun. He's definitely popular in Hollywood, I would say. Because, I mean, we've had like already in the last like five years even, didn't we get like two adaptations of Robin Hood by like yeah, different degrees? We got Karen like Karen Edgerton. Yeah, and Jamie Foxx, which was kind right. of a weird one. I remember seeing the trailers and I'll be honest, it did not really hook me to watch it. Because I was just like, I'm more confused than intrigued by like what you're what you're attempting to do with this like take on it. But I mean, I'm like, well, I'll hear from it later. Then I heard people say it was like good but not great, and I'm like, it kind of seemed it. Here's what I'll say for that one: I I haven't watched the movie yet, but I feel like the trailers did a good job of preparing you for what you're gonna get. You've got some movies that come out, especially if they're with a popular IP, where the trailers kind of play off your nostalgia or your love for the original IP more than the movie itself. And so people go into the movie expecting one thing and getting another. I feel like I know what to expect watching that Robin Hood. It didn't try to sell the... You know, it wasn't The Adventures of Robin Hood with Taron Edgerton and Jamie Foxx, you know. It kind of sells itself as an, a different take on it. So I think that's if a movie does that and it's up front with you, I'm generally okay with watching it for what it is. You know what I mean? If it's not pretending to be something else. Yeah. And uh, I will say, I was a little wrong. I said the last five years, but it was like the last more like the last eight and ten i just looked it up because i was curious that one came out in 2018 
And then the one eight years before that, we had gotten one just called Robin Hood as well. And it was one with Russell Crowe as the titular Robin Hood. And I never saw either of them, honestly. <laughs> I yeah, just remember then... thinking, wow, those things kind of came out fairly close to each other. So almost a decade. But still, that's that's kind of a, you know, fairly close to do so in terms of like Hollywood and things. You've got a TV show in 2006, or was it a TV show? I think it was a TV show in 2006 called Robin Hood. Like the BBC, uh, I believe, did one? Yeah, I think that was it. Uh, if you, if anyone talks about um, like Robin Hood, I'm going to think of like the few ones that I really like, which is, uh, you know, it's in the name, it's in the name of the title, but it's part of the title. One that we share an affinity for is Men in Tights. Yes. <laughs> that's just a that's just a great one. Just saying. But if no one's seen that one, by the way, please, it parodies Robin Hood and the other movies in particular really well. It's Mel Brooks. It's Mel Brooks. It's Mel at Brooks. his Mel Brookiest. Yeah. So, and but then it's, of course um, Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah that's the Prince of Thieves. That's mm-hmm. a classic. Um my favorite character in that film is probably the sheriff because it's uh, Alan Rickman. Yep. That's just a it's a great great one. And that's mostly the one they parody in Men in Tights. Because that's actually a big thing, the whole, like, you know, why should they listen to you? Because unlike some Robin Hoods, <laughs> I speak with an English accent. I can speak with a British accent. And then a big favorite of mine, definitely a guilty pleasure, but the 70s Disney animated Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. I it's wasn't actually, even thinking about that. It's actually my favorite, as like one of my favorite Disney films as a kid. It was It was made to fill in the gaps between, like, big hits for them. Because there's that whole thing of... You've probably seen it before. Many listeners might have seen it before where people take the animation from different films, like three different films at the time, and they're all the same scenes, just Mm -hmm. drawn over with different characters. Like when they're dancing or something, they're the exact same moves as this movie, which also was in this movie, and they recycled animation to save a lot of money for that. I don't care. (laughs) Like it's one of those things where I'm like, I see that. I recognize it. But that's one of the ones I look over because I'm like, I just love it. It's funny. It makes me laugh still. Well, it's actually really fun. Like, I, I haven't seen anyone complain about it. It's more of this cool thing where if you're in the know, you can kind of spot it as you're watching. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun movie, and I like it. I think a Robin Hood TV show that's more less on the serious and more so on the fun. So, like, kind of on the flip side, like you're saying, would be, would be actually a lot of fun, in all honesty. So I think we could use something a little more lighthearted. And, what, to and me, I just... it seems like a really, really good idea for a TV show. It, it's not, you don't need a huge budget. There's no spell casting or superheroes in it. There's no dragons. It, it seems like a really, really obvious choice for an in-depth, maybe a bit grittier TV show. Cause the story lends itself to being pretty episodic. Like, there's a lot of, like, if I remember correctly, the... It's not really like a big novel. It was a bunch of stories. It really was adventures, plural, they, mm-hmm. that they happened upon. It wasn't really like one overarching narrative of like this one. I mean, there was the whole, like in a way, the goal of the rob the rich to feed the poor. That's synonymous with the phrase that's synonymous with knowledge of Robin Hood, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like that's not really the like the whole accomplishment of it all. It's just it's a character and characters and – it's like using them in multiple narratives. 
So that's already good for, like you said, episodic format and stuff. And people could keep writing new ones if they need to. You could come up with other stories and situations. Well, I, I think the only thing keeping Robin Hood away from being a TV show is the fact that it is such a recognizable name. You know, Robin Hood itself is a brand. Like I said, that's already gotten a ton of movies. And so when studios see that, they think, oh, we've got an extra push for a you know, box office on a movie. I do think, though, in the era we're living in, where streaming TV shows is a much more competitive market, I think there's a good chance that we're going to see a Robin Hood series come out. Because like I said before, you don't need a huge budget. You just need good writing. You need good actors, characters to carry these roles. And the story writes itself. I mean, you've got a ton of storylines already out there for this character. You can play on them however you want. There's not a dedicated storyline that you absolutely have to follow. So you can do what you want with it. Just make a good show. It's an obvious home run, I think. But what do I know? I haven't made any movies or TV shows. That is true. We were just thinking up ideas here, folks. I know there's probably something out there or people listening out there that you've got a lot that you probably want to see and don't want to see as well. I just want to remind you all, we have an email that is actually meant for feedback. It is in the description of our uh, book. The, Please utilize it. Do you know what it is off the top of your head? It might be good to say it. Videovox00 at gmail.com, I believe. So Videovox00 at gmail.com? Yes, so V-I-D-E-O-V-O-X-0-0 at gmail.com. No spaces, uh, no caps. All out for you. No caps here, folk. But that's for people to like, you know, because if you have some, we'll talk about them. If you maybe agree, disagree, you know, just go ahead, send us a quick little thing saying just what it is about it, if you like it or not. Because we're, we're definitely trying to have an audience that we can listen to and talk to. So if any of these out there, maybe you've got other ones you love or hate and don't want Hollywood to touch, or you're just like, you know, I'd really like to see them do this, you know. That's just something. You, you know what? I just reminded myself of an adaptation that I'm not going to spend any time on. I just want to mention it because it's in the same vein as Robin Hood. It's an older one. I loved the MacGyver series, and they made an adaptation of that recently. And I haven't watched it, but what I've seen didn't convince me to watch it. So that's it. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I do have the complete series of the old one. Bro, me too. Yes, it's fun. Uh, and I think what they try to do is, I think sometimes when people try to make adaptations of TV shows, of movies or properties, there is some, the modernization sometimes is too much. Where it's like, sometimes you need an element of more fun and lightheartedness. Where like, that show was kind of serious, but it was a little bit, it, it knew it was campy, so it just, it kept with yeah. it. Everyone knows what the term to MacGyver something is now because of it. Mm. And that was the whole shtick. They're just like, what about a guy who could just come up with anything with the stuff around him? You know, what if we show that more and more? And it's like, that's basically it. And it even goes into the ridiculous, like, because I think Mythbusters even tested a few and they were like, this isn't viable at all. It's just TV magic to make it look like it works. Some are real. Some how, are not. How dare you, Mythbusters? How dare you fail MacGyver? You just didn't do it right. Anyway, anyways, write in if you've seen Richard Green as Robin Hood or if you love MacGyver. Write in if you want a Robin Hood uh, by Guy Ritchie. Ooh. 
That Ooh, thought just came now. to me when we talked about Robin Hood. I don't know why it just popped in my head, but I was like, you know, I'd make an interesting adaptation down the road. I said, Guy Ritchie could make like, because what he did with uh, King Arthur, I'm like, mm-hmm. he'd make an interesting Robin Hood. He'd definitely do more of it at athletics, I'll say that. Yeah. I could see like the more of the athletic scenes and Aladdin being used in Robin Hood to like run away and escape from stuff. And I'm like, eh, he'd make an interesting, fun movie. Write in if you want to see Guy Ritchie direct a Robin Hood adaptation after he's apparently going to be done with the Hercules live action one for Disney. Is he doing that? Uh, he is like he's tapped to do it, but there is no like uh, I don't believe any total confirmation yet. That could be interesting. Could be, could be. Yeah. With that right here, hopefully we've given you all something to think about to mull over. Uh, again, we're sorry for the delay. We're sorry for the gap that we took. We were so tired we were sleeping the whole time. Week and a half out. Honestly, uh, all joking aside, we were we were kind of uh, we were kind of taxed after doing the uh, the first Treasure Island one in the HTML series because that's like a bigger series we were trying to focus on more. And to get that out there, finally getting it out there, there was like a moment of like, oh, finally, here we go. And then there was a slight bit of burnout where it's like, oh boy. And then everything else kind of piled up on us. Me with work, Sean with his his uh his job right now. A lot of stuff happening on our end, folks. Like I said, besides this uh, show going on, I don't know if anyone's read the description, but technically we're trying to create, like, so me, Sean, and a bunch of other friends are trying to create a, like, production label, quote-unquote, that we call Daft Dudes Productions. This is just one of the things underneath that. Uh, We're doing some YouTube stuff, so that actually dedicated a lot of my time out of the show recently. We're setting up channels. I'm trying to uh, make some video audios for like audio videos for the youtube channel of idiotic which is uh coming up too it's got its own separate channel trying to create and make that stuff just so it's another way for y'all lovely people out there to listen to us uh we're trying to set up like i said some channel ideas with the friends for all of us and group mostly group gaming things like that but you know big changes are coming a lot of work was dedicated to that besides sean's broken phone i know he was also working on his his own business and fixing all these things and making all these, uh, you know, making all his uh, blades and such to sell. I was working a lot on the tech side of things. I'm trying to work on getting good recording software, things like that. And we just, we honestly let time slip by. So we do apologize for that. It happens. Please forgive us. We are human. But we'll do our best to keep going and giving you guys the content that we think y'all like to listen to. Ditto. And on that, we go ahead and close the curtain on this episode right here. Say, so hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble on about uh, adaptations. We'll probably revisit this topic in the future. I know there's a lot of movies and properties out there that we'd love to see either get a, another chance, maybe something down the road. Maybe we'll, we'll remember other ones that we were like, oh, I would love to mention this one. So we'll keep that written down for you for next time. And again, please, uh, we have an email. It is... For the purpose, exclusively for this show right here. So for fan feedback, for reaching out to say, hey, like the episode, hey, I didn't really like it. You know, we'll, we'll listen to it. We'll take it into account. If you guys enjoy it, please. And if you have other ones that you would like like us to look into or something, you want a movie that we want to mention or something, you know, and hey, you know, if we get enough of a notice and enough people, we might even give some shout outs to some names out there. So who knows? We hope you enjoyed. This has been Vidiotic. 
My name is Joe. My name is Sean. And we'll see y'all later. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.